Welcome back to the Millennial Ag Podcast, where agriculture is always on tap and no topic is off limits. Thanks for joining us today, your co-hosts, Valine Likely and Catherine Lotspeech. Well, friends, here we are. We're in the second week of January, second week of the first month of the new year, the new decade, and resolutions are starting to crumble. Complacency is starting to set in. <laughs> and we're in the same routines I feel like we were before Christmas hit. Before Christmas, yeah. And, you know, I mean, I, I've still got, I've got... My, my New Year's resolutions are still sticking, but there's some other goals and things that have started to slip a little bit, and you're reading all about it on social media, and people are just, you know, sort of giving New Year, New Me the finger. <laughs> yep, and I think that kind of brings us into the topic we want to talk about today, um, complacency in agriculture, something that has kind of almost stirred our podcast and some a lot of conversations in the past, and what better time to bring it up than halfway through the month of January? I just recently read, Catherine, that there was a, was it a dairy processing facility that filed bankruptcy? Yeah, actually, there was two of them. <laughs> <laughs> so the most recent one, um, one that our listeners might be most familiar with, is uh, Borden's Dairy, um, a large dairy processor, uh, just filed for bankruptcy at the beginning of last week. And before them, in November, Dean's, Dean's Foods, which is one of the nation's largest dairy processors, also filed for bankruptcy. Um, both of these facilities are, or both of these processors are very large fluid milk processors. Um, you know, a large part of their business was, was focused around bottling fluid milk, like what you buy in the gallon jug at the grocery store. And, um, you know, it's sort of been a betting game in the dairy industry to see which processors who have the bulk of their business um, in fluid milk topple first because because in the dairy industry um, fluid milk has been doing nothing but going down in consumption since the 1940s so um, yes yes complacency is a very timely topic and absolutely with these two dairy processors that have filed for bankruptcy these two star star stalwarts of the industry you know very well known um, very large companies I think got complacent. <laughs> How do you think they got complacent, Catherine? And for our listeners that maybe aren't in the dairy industry, they're producing just fluid milk and consumption's down. So are you saying that's being complacent? Yeah, I am. I absolutely am. Um, you know, if you just do the quickest Google search, you'll find that, that fluid milk, um, the milk that you drink every day, that you put on your cereal, that you cook with, um, has been going down in consumption since the 1940s, since World War II. Um, and every year, fluid milk consumption is down. Uh, Americans still drink a fair amount of milk every year, but it's not at all like it was um, 50, 60, 70 years ago. We actually, dairy consumption um, as a whole is up, but it's in cheese, butter, cottage cheese, yogurt, um, you know, those more processed products that milk can be made into. And so it's a bit of a mystery to someone like me in the industry to see clearly a trend like that and i'm no economist but i can read that graph just as good as anybody um down means down <laughs> down means down and i mean consumers are are asking for different things in the marketplace and these companies just just haven't evolved haven't changed to give consumers what they want and so the fact that they built their businesses around fluid milk consumption continue to build you know through the 90s and the 2000s and everything and you know just 
said that the answer to all their problems was increased fluid milk consumption rather than innovating and, you know, maybe retrofitting some of their plants to make different products um, and and really looking at their marketing marketing schemes to see to see what what consumers want instead of trying to cram a product that consumers are saying very clearly they don't want down their throat. I mean, yeah, the writing's been on the wall, especially for Dean Foods. Their stock, I believe, has dropped over 80% in the last decade. Maybe it's the last five years, but either way, um, the writing was on the wall and and they just didn't change with the times. And I think that that is uh, symptomatic of, of what's going on in production agriculture right now. And I think probably it comes across, it happens, it happened specifically in these two companies and was really obvious, but I think it happens all across the board in agriculture. You know, you, you have some, we continue to produce a lot of food at a really cheap rate. And is that, is that what the consumer wants right now? Well, um, I would tell you that what the consumer is telling us is that they want to know their food. They want to know where it's coming, where it comes from. They want it to be more local. They want it to be more special to them. Um, you know, they want their food to tell a story. They want to be able to feel like they're doing something good for the environment or the earth when they're when they're consuming that food. And so, um, mass production and business as usual, especially for millennial consumers, um, just doesn't resonate doesn't resonate with them and and large traditional companies and traditional agriculture i don't think has paid very much attention to what the consumer is telling them and so we see companies like deans or borden's going bankrupt um, or filing for bankruptcy because they built their business um because they thought they knew best and didn't bother to look too hard outside of outside of their own box and and see if they could learn something from other places that's so interesting and i think we're so quick to tell our story, tell our story, and we get really tunnel vision in in what we're doing and how we're doing it, and we have to educate the consumer on what we're doing. But sometimes we need to maybe take a step back and look beyond what we're doing and see if a product we're giving um, is actually being bought, if it's actually being desired. I think tunnel vision is the absolute perfect term for this because it's it's an unwillingness to look outside our blinders and see what might be different out there. You know, different can be scary. Um, and you know, it, it can be change is hard and all those, all those things that we know to be true, which is why we avoid it at all costs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so you end up, you know, filing for bankruptcy. But I think, um, you know, what you're saying, taking a look around outside and, and seeing where, where we could be different, both in production ag and in, and in, processing it's kind of similar to say the video industry and how we've gotten to a point where we can stream everything online or on our computers or on the tv and we don't have dvd players anymore and for example blockbuster went bankrupt and out of business because of that i think that's the perfect perfect example um you know they they thought that they had the market cornered um, you know, they didn't have to go very far to, to, to innovate or they didn't innovate. They, they thought that they had customers, you know, just like that. And, and here comes Netflix and all of the other streaming services and Amazon prime and Hulu. And all of a sudden 
Exactly. I don't need to go outside my house to run a video anymore. Right. And we all know how much millennials hate to interact with people, so it's perfect. <laughs> yep. I think there's one blockbuster left, and it's it's on an island or in some obscure place in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> and it's probably a novelty now. And That's exactly what it is. Go visit it. But maybe kind of diving into how we can beat complacency. We've identified the problem, um, and we've recognized that agriculture is very complacent all across the board. But Catherine, how do you think that agriculture can beat complacency? Yeah, that's that's a great question, Val. And the answer, of course, is um, effort, <laughs> which is a hard thing. But, you know, it's it's how we get better. It's how we innovate and and create and continue to, to move forward. So some suggestions that on, on how agriculture can beat complacency and some things to keep in mind, um, I think are number one, and it's why we started this podcast, but to, to challenge the status quo thinking, challenge the norm, rock the boat a little bit, say, I mean, ask the question of why are we doing it this way? Is there a better way? Oh, well, and it's, it goes back to your blog. I think you wrote a couple months ago about llama dung <laughs> and I, i'm not going to tell you the whole story and make you go read Catherine's wonderful blog about llama dung but sometimes we got to ask whether it is llama dung is it the way we've been doing it just because somebody said let's do it this way yeah and that question always deserves to be asked sometimes the answer sometimes there's a good answer and a good reason for why we do it that way but um you won't know unless you do ask the question so another thing I think is, in, is important is to, so once you've asked that question and you've challenged the status quo, implement new strategies that came from that and then monitor them. Watch them to see if they work. So try out new things and you've got to see if they work too. And I think putting critical people in critical positions to make those decisions and maybe have an unbiased reality check because Catherine for you and I we're very very passionate about agriculture we're very passionate about what our parents do we're passionate about the beef and dairy industry and we get very protective when anything is questioned about why we do it and sometimes maybe we have to hire somebody or we have to ask somebody that's not involved in the industry what do you think or can you help me monitor this new program we're trying to implement or this new co-op or this new and have an unbiased opinion because it's really hard for you and I to get on our biased bandwagons and really gung-ho, this is what we're going to do and here we go. But sometimes taking a step back and getting an unbiased opinion, I think, is I, beneficial. I think that that is absolutely critical to to avoiding complacency and you know getting outside your industry, asking. So getting outside your industry and observing other businesses other managers and employees, but then like you said, pulling people from outside your industry or your your sector and asking them for their unvarnished, um, no holds barred opinion on what you're doing, um, for that fresh set of eyes to be like, what the hell are you doing this for? Mm-hmm. Um, I think you, you've got that absolutely spot on. So finally, um, you know, complacency, complacency can creep on you. It's, it's way too easy for, for you to get comfortable with whatever you're doing with your job, with a relationship, with your volunteer work or um, podcast even. <laughs> and, you know, it's important to always, to always have that in the back of your mind and be watching, you know, have a little, have a little figure in the back of your mind, just watching for complacency and saying, hey, 
are we getting too comfortable here? Do we need to rock the boat a little bit? Um, you know, focusing focusing on what you're doing well is important, but then um, getting getting outside advice and observations um, and looking at other leading industries can help you break into new territory, whatever it is, if it's for your business, if it's for, for a blogger, a podcaster, or, you know, for, for life in general. There we go. <laughs> Can we use that? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Good. All right. So we've just laid out some ways to avoid complacency. What about Valine? Do you, do you have some examples of some companies or, or businesses or whatever that are, are avoiding complacency that are that are innovating and trying to stay relevant. I think when I say what I'm thinking right now, it it might make agriculture specifically production animal agriculture and the beef industry cringe a little bit. But I think we might need to look at somebody like Panera and Chipotle. They've both come out Hold the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Panera and Chipotle, those those age-old arch enemies of production animal ag. Yeah, and we don't have to support them. We don't have to go purchase anything, but I think we need to take a step back. And I think Chipotle started to, um, some of their marketing ploys have started to catch up with them a little bit. But Panera seems to be rocking and rolling right now, and they just rolled out um, some more plant-based healthy options, and they seem to be doing really well. Okay, so... What about them rolling out these plant-based healthy options is different than like Burger King? I think they have, they're targeting a health option. Burger King didn't go the healthy route. They went the meatless route. We're going to go meatless and we're going to give you the impossible burger and here's an option. But they didn't say how it's helping or whether it's healthy. And I feel like Chipotle with their new Whole30 menu and then Panera with more of their plant-based um, quinoa bowls and legume bowls are really targeting the health audience. And I think our generation, the millennial specific, are pretty health conscious. And so they're targeting those audiences and have adapted and trying to find new innovative ways to be fast food. So I think you were telling me earlier that uh, Panera had taken half of its meat offerings off its menu. Is that correct? And replaced them with grain bowls? So I don't think they completely took off any items on their menu. They just consolidated what they already had and added additional grain bowls that were predominantly plant-based. And they okay. kind of marketed more towards these are plant-based. But what I, while I'm, like, that makes me cringe a little bit because... I love steak in my grain bowl or I love steak on my salad and you can do that at Panera um, but you have to ask for it and it's not advertised. But one thing they didn't do that all the other companies did was they didn't go with plant substitutes for meat. They just went more whole grains. They actual didn't plants, mm-hmm. actual plant based, which I mean, you know, for our friends in in plant agriculture and crop agriculture is great. That's great news for them. So, I mean, it is, that's still a win for agriculture. And if they're not marketing negatively towards animal agriculture, I think, I mean, I think like you say, there's something to be learned there. And how can we maybe as the beef and dairy industry, as production animal agriculture, look and see how we can start marketing towards these health or these healthy options or these healthy lifestyles. And 
the carnivore diet, you know, a lot of people are kind of starting to look at that as an option and, and marketing that our products safe, healthy, good for the environment. I think we need to start switching our mindset to eat more, eat more, eat more of this, or rather than saying, you know, let's look at the nutritional facts in this. Look at the all natural beef option, the grass fed, the grain fed, and, and maybe look at some of those touchy feely things rather than educate the consumer on what we're going to give them and then start giving them what they've asked for so what is chipotle doing so and i need to do a little more research on this but i heard that they rolled out their menu or it's a secret menu and it's geared towards the whole 30 really so if i didn't not eat at chipotle it might have been a good option a year ago <laughs> yeah. last year when you and i decided to tackle the whole 30 yeah we did a year ago we we did the whole 30 during the month of january and we we conquered that thing and it was uh it was tough it was tough and so finding i mean yeah if we were the type of people to eat at chipotle and we were on the whole 30 finding a whole 30 friendly menu would would have been fun because pretty much whole 30 means that you can't eat out <laughs> And you really have to go through the menus and sort through all the inflammatory, I'm putting air quotes around that, um, items that you eliminated from your diet for for that month. So that's for the, I think it's a great marketing strategy. Absolutely. I mean, like you say, the carnivore diet, the Whole30, I mean, diets are always going to be a fad, I'm afraid. Um, you know, instead of people just learning how to eat right, but, and I say that with a uh, facetiousness because I'm one of those people who doesn't know how to eat right. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, I mean, it's brilliant. It, it makes it a lot easier to, to try and comply with whatever trend that you're following at that moment. Um, I know at the beginning of the year, I was fascinated by, um, the supermarkets and grocery stores, they've got, you know, they've got the, the whole 30 section, they've got the paleo section, they've got the keto friendly section of all the foods, you know, for those diets, and they've got them all in one place so that you don't have to think too hard about it, which means that you will buy more probably. <laughs> yeah, because it complies with it. the checklist of foods you can, can eat and, oh, I didn't think I could eat this, but I can, and I'm going to just throw it exactly in my cart. And you have to be careful, I think, to not out on marketing, not jump on those bandwagons when the fad takes off um, too hard because as quickly as those fads can take off, they can come crashing down too. That's absolutely true. And harm your marketing. But I think we need to be open. I think we need to strategize and see the long-term trajectory towards them and see if this is something that maybe can be sustainable or a, a supplementary income maybe to a business. Yeah, absolutely. And I think back to your point about marketing, you know, and it, it changing really fast. I think that means that we as an industry need to be more nimble in our marketing. Um, you know, agriculture is a big beast and it can lumber a lot, but I think that there's definitely opportunity for improvement there to be, to be more nimble and, and catch on to fads more quickly. Um, it's just, you know, whether or not we're willing to challenge the status quo, which is it can be hard and especially as the younger generation we're doing a plug right here for millennials um you know we'll we'll we often get knocked down or you know told to sit down and shut up because we're younger and don't have that experience but um you know challenging the status quo is something that you should do at any age and and should be open to and welcome um because 
the alternative is filing for bankruptcy. And getting in your comfort zone and never coming out. And for me, I love to learn. I love to grow. I love to stretch myself. And if I get complacent too long, I not good things happen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We, you know, we could talk about those experiences at some point too, you know, personal complacency, but I, I think that there's, there's lessons to be learned here. And, um, you know, I'd be curious to hear from you listeners about how you avoid complacency, some missteps that you've had because of complacency and what you're doing to tackle it. And even some status quos that you want to challenge. You know what? Why is this industry doing this? Or why why are we still serving milk in a full gallon size jug? Or why are why are we still grinding beef? Or just random questions like that we want to hear from you listeners yeah let's ask those questions because me and Molly ask those questions all the time and we either get told to sit down and shut up or we get crickets <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's challenge the status quo let's let's beat complacency before it ever sets in absolutely and thank you listeners for tuning in to this week's episode of the millennial ag podcast Be sure to rate us on your favorite podcast platform, share us with your friends, and feel free to drop us a line either on social media or at Catherine at MillennialAg.com, and Catherine is spelled K-A-T-H-A-R-I-N-E. Thank you.